Today, uh, we're going to be talking about Jesus, as you might imagine, and his birth. Uh, A child is given, a son is born, and today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have uh, your Bible, you can start turning there to Isaiah chapter 9, get to the Psalms and kind of keep going to the right. If you get to Jeremiah, you've gone too far. But Isaiah 9... Uh, is a great, very familiar passage. As you've, if you've been around church at Christmas time, you've probably heard this passage before. But today, as you're turning there and as you're thinking about it, I want you to think about your birthday uh, and particularly your birth date, uh, the day you were born. Uh, mine uh, is June 9, 1971, and I was born a little after 6 p.m. in the evening uh, at San Jacinto Hospital in Baytown, Texas. Uh, The hospital I was born in actually doesn't exist anymore. They've built a new one out by the freeway. So if you know anything about Baytown, you know everything has moved to I-10. But I was born in the old San Jacinto Methodist Hospital. And one of our former staff members was also born in that same hospital. Kind of strange uh, and crazy coincidence there. But I want you to think about your birth date. Uh, when were you born? What were the circumstances? Uh, our oldest son, uh, he was born uh, in Plano, Texas. And at the time, uh, I was living in Austin, Texas. So as you might imagine, the morning that Brandy called and said, hey, the, their Reed's coming today. We didn't, I don't think we had his name fully picked out at that moment, but uh, he's coming. You need to get here. Hmm. So I drove my 1990, this is 2001, I drove my 1990 Corolla on August 1st with no air conditioner by grace uh, all the way to Plano and I made that four and a half hour trip in quite a bit less than that time uh, that day and made it three minutes to spare uh, to see him born. Our middle son Evan uh, was uh, born about 5.30 in the morning and we learned about 2.30 in the morning that he was ready. About two weeks early. Reed was born a month early. Uh, Evan was a couple of weeks early. And Tate, our youngest, his birth uh, was quite boring. He's not so boring these days, but his birth was. We get to the hospital, sat in the waiting room. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is pretty dull because the other two had been quite exciting. And he was born. Brandy and I got in a big argument uh, that day about his name. Uh, I won't tell you who won. Uh, which means I lost, right? But, but we think about our birth, and, and none of us remember our own birth, but if you have kids or brothers and sisters that are old enough or nieces and nephews, you, you remember their birth. And, and to get ready for the birth of a child, there's lots to be done. You have to have a reveal party and pop balloons or shoot a cannon or do something crazy, blue and pink, and we didn't do any of that. Uh, all of our boys were surprised to us what their gender was. Uh, we were excited about that. Um, you've got to buy gifts and have baby showers. You have to buy diapers of all different sizes because you actually don't know how big your baby's going to be when he or she is born. And, and then you want some extra from your friends and family so that you don't have to buy them because they're expensive. You have to decorate the nursery. You have all these things. You have to prepare. And probably the the wife is already prepared because she's lost sleep for four, five, six months. And then when the child is born, you'll both lose sleep that will never be regained. What, What a miracle childbirth is. What a joy it is to see babies born. And, and, and I think about all of those things in the modern era when it comes to a baby being born. 
And I think back to the birth of Jesus. And he didn't have a, they didn't have a hospital. They didn't have a baby shower. They didn't have a nursery. They didn't have a reveal party. It, it was as low-key as low-key can be. But I've often wondered throughout my Christian life, why was Jesus born when he was born? Why were any of us born on the day we were born or the era we were born in? Jesus was born in the fullness of time. And historians and population researchers and archaeologists have all come to a very clear conclusion about the birth of Jesus That Jesus was born at the exact right time because I wonder often, why wasn't he born 400 years earlier at the kind of the end of the era of the prophets because God goes silent for a long time? Why wasn't he born right then and just kind of keep God's covenant moving forward? Why wasn't he born right before the flood so that Noah didn't have to build an ark and thousands of people didn't have to die? Why wasn't he born during the time of Constantine, who made Christianity the the religion of Rome and probably had a better opportunity? Why was he born exactly when he was? There's a researcher at the University of Michigan that said it this way. He said, God's timing couldn't have been more perfect. Christ showed up just before the exponential explosion in the world's population. Jesus was born at the exact right time because we all think it's zero AD, which isn't really true, but that's how our calendar says it. But he was born at the exact right time because shortly after he was born and then for the centuries later, the world's population went crazy. And so a God who loves all of creation, all of people, Why wouldn't he stoop low in the fullness of time at the exact right moment so that the the most people possible could know the truth of a Savior? That's what we celebrate this season. The truth of a Savior who was born a king. And so let's look at Isaiah and see what Isaiah says about this king who will come. We're going to begin in verse 2 of Isaiah 9. It says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has, has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulders, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now here's the verse we all know. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Isaiah was a prophet during a difficult and dark time in the nation of Israel. The northern kingdom, the the kingdom had been divided. Uh, At that time, the nation of Israel was divided, and the northern part of the kingdom had been taken over by Assyrians, the enemies of God, Gentile enemies, pagans. And they were hopeless. They were in despair. They were full of gloom and frustration. They had no hope. They thought it was the darkest of days. That sounds familiar. Because every era is filled with struggle and heartache, frustration, gloom, despair. Every season of life has those things, both personally and nationally. But Isaiah reminds them, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And as Isaiah declares that, he declares it as if it's already happened. You notice the verb tense there? It's not a son will be born to us. A son will be given to us. A son is. It's a a present tense. It's a Hebrew idiom as if it's already true. He is declaring that this Savior, this wonderful counselor, this mighty God is already born. It's already happened. We can be sure of it. This child would restore us. This child will break the burden. This child will bring light to a dark place. It's happening. It will happen. It's going to happen. And this child is not just born to a woman, not just to the Virgin Mary, not just to Mary and Joseph, the stepdad, not just to a small family. No, this child is born to who? To us. To us. A great reminder for the nation of Israel that God is Faithful to his promises. God is going to continue his covenant with his people even in the midst of despair. Even in hard times, even in difficult times, God is with you. He was declaring that to the nation of Israel. That God is going to keep his covenant. God is going to keep his promise. And so let me remind you, church family, that love and faithfulness of God shines brightly in our darkest moments. When you and I are the most frustrated, when we see, when we think there's no hope, when we're frustrated beyond belief, when we're full of despair, when life we don't think can get any worse, God is with you. And his faithfulness is true. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to hope in him. Because the child that was born is called the Wonderful Counselor. Who doesn't need a counselor? Who doesn't need someone who's wise and intelligent and gracious and kind? Someone to come alongside me and give me direction and purpose, help me when I'm trying to navigate life. Who doesn't need a counselor in that way, a wonderful counselor? Someone who has my best interest in mind. Someone who's gonna guide me into the way of peace and truth and joy. I want someone to do that, and we have 
a king who will do that, a wonderful counselor. This child that was born to us is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. I need someone to defend me sometimes. I I need someone to protect me. I need someone to help me. I need someone to rescue me. I don't need some wimpy person to do that. I need a mighty warrior. I I need a God who is strong, who is all-powerful. I need that kind of God sometimes. A mighty God. This child born to us is our mighty God. He is our everlasting Father. His love and care for us doesn't end. Some of you have a wonderful Father and some of you not so much on this earth, your earthly Father. But this child who was born to us is a faithful and true, a loving and caring eternal father forever. Someone who wants the very best for us, who encourages us when we're discouraged, who disciplines us when we need disciplining, who brings us hope when we're hopeless. An everlasting father and a prince of peace. You ever torn up inside? struggling, you don't know which way to go, you're hurting, you need peace. We have the Prince of Peace. One who calms every nerve, who helps us to see beyond our circumstances into his love and grace. The Prince of Peace, this child born to us. And my prayer is that we're not like Ricky Bobby And we don't pray to that little baby, Jesus. But we pray to this Jesus. If you haven't seen Talladega Nights, don't. (laughs) But YouTube that clip, okay? Um, But we have a king who's not this infant child who just we celebrate in a manger at Christmas and we have a fun time with that. No, we have a mighty God, a wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, the one who pushes peace everywhere. An everlasting Father, one who loves us without condition, no matter how good or bad you are, that's the God we have, this child born to us, the Son given to us. That's who He is. And so that's the God we need to call on. Because this child is not a child. He's the king. The king of all kings. The Lord of all. And so may we in this season and every season adore him. May we bow before him. May we we worship him. May we follow him. Because he's the king. And he sits on the mighty throne of David, symbolizing an everlasting kingdom. And so I want to worship a king who will never be dethroned. That's the king I want to worship. Someone who will never lose his place. The one who will always rule and reign. The one who is in charge of all and over all. That's the king I want to bow before. That's the king I want to follow. That's the king I want to put my trust in. And so this child that Isaiah is prophesying about 
will sit upon that majestic throne. He will rule with peace and justice, not just for a few decades, not for a few centuries, but forever. And one commentator put it this way, this child, a king who long labored in obscurity, unheralded, humbly serving the people whom he had every right to reign. What a great image that you and I should follow, that we would humbly serve the people that we have authority over, humbly serve them. And he laid down his life for them. Today he claims the throne of our lives. Here is Jesus the Christ, the second Adam, the bright and morning star, the first and last, victorious in battle, whose hands bring healing He is the mighty second person of the Trinity. He's the son of David, the son of man. He's the word of God incarnate in the flesh. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And so may Jesus, king at birth, dwell in our hearts, dwell in our lives, dwell in our homes, and dwell in our church. May this king, King Jesus, reign among us. May we desire to follow him with all of who we are. Though he was born in a manger without any fanfare, as low as low can be, we know that his humble beginnings will result in a triumphant finish. And that's what we celebrate today, the victory of Jesus, the mighty work of God, that he came humbly as a child, that God in his infinite love for you and me would stoop so low to become a human. That's the greatness of the story of Jesus, that God would stoop low to become like us, even though he was the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. And so today, if you're here and you've never placed your trust in that King Jesus, you've never stepped out of darkness into light and despair and frustration and a constant cycle of good and bad and indifferent defines your life, let me invite you today to surrender to King Jesus. To say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I need a king. I need someone to sit on the throne of my life and take control of my life and give me a new hope, a new direction, new life. 